All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, episode number 448. And we're recording live on January the 21st. Uh, Brianna, how are you? I'm good. I had a long weekend. We celebrated Martin Luther King Day yesterday. Um, and we celebrated my husband's birthday and your birthday as well. So everybody... Feel free to share some birthday love with the Seif this week because, you know, the older you get, the longer you get to celebrate. I'm a firm believer in this. I think it's pretty cool that Jerome and I have a birthday, you know, in common with Martin Luther King. I mean, come on. That's it's a pretty special thing. I know. It's pretty amazing. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, you know, is now old enough where she learned about it this year in school. And so it was like really great just talking about it with her. And, um, you know, she asks a lot of good questions and it's very confusing to her as to why he had to fight the fight that he did, but um, it's an amazing thing to celebrate. And, uh, you know, being here in Atlanta, it's also really cool because I've seen lots of the history around, um, you know, the civil rights movement and all that he did uh, for this country. And I mean, the world, honestly, so lots of good things, but how are you doing? You had NRF last week, so. I had NRF last week um, and it was good. It was was a quick trip to New York. We did a small, OBMA NRF dinner. Um, uh, we had like a, a good turnout for that. Some North American members, some European members. Uh, Karsten uh, was there, and uh, so yeah, it was it was a good time. And you know, I did get on the trade show floor a little bit and went around and saw some of our members uh, at their booths. And we have a special guest interview today that I did while I was there. Um, so yeah, all in all, uh, a good week. And um, yeah, we're we're getting ready now for. Uh, uh, LOCA conference, which is the LBMA's uh, European conference coming up very quickly on uh, February 6th and 7th, and that's in Wiesbaden, which is just outside of Frankfurt. Um, so if you're in Europe, uh, or you can find your way to Europe, uh, get over there uh, and join us for that conference as well. Um, lots coming. Um, and I just heard this week as well, uh, breaking news, that uh, we are uh, officially launching the LBMA's new chapter uh, on February 19th uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, so um, that's, uh, that's coming together pretty quickly. We, we had planned to do it last year, but because of political unrests and hurricanes and all kinds of other things going on, we had to postpone, but we're back on track. So February 19th, uh, Puerto Rico uh, will be happening as well. So Super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, good show for you this week. We've got three industry news stories. And only two member news stories because we have the guest uh, as well. Just want to keep it sort of in a reasonable overall time frame there. But uh, um, yeah, uh, I'll let you let you kick things off. All right, here I go. So um, we are kicking it off about the uh, experience industry, right? I think that one of the big trends that we have seen probably over the past five to ten years is that. Um, you know, the younger generations tend to be more excited about experiences than, um, you know, maybe things like job security, which probably was more interesting to (laughs) our generations. Um, But part of that is this growing industry, right, and tours um, and experiences and just, you know, enjoying and immersing oneself in other cultures. And so part of that is a company called Tours by Locals, and they have um, gotten $25 million in funding from, um, let's see, it is from Tritium. I don't know if that's Tritium or Tritium Partners. Um, so the they are estimating that the tours and experiences industry by 2020 
um, is going to be worth $183 billion this year. $183 billion this year. It's crazy, right? Um, big industry. And so you've got a lot of big companies, you know, that have been in this industry. You think about like, um, you know, Airbnb's experiences and some of the other ones, some of them have done very well, you know, breaking that billion dollar mark. Some of them have, you know, struggled and closed up shop, but um, tours by locals is in 162 con countries and they do these tours obviously for either groups or one-on-one -on -one tours. And, you know, you can really immerse yourself in what's going on in the culture and get, you know, some understanding from somebody who actually has grown up there or really understands that, um, that area very well. So they'll be investing in um, technology for their payments and their bookings. Um, so they have over 4,000 guides and 30,000 uh, tours right now. And so um, I expect to see this grow. I don't really know tours by locals very well, um, you know, but it's something that I always think about. Like, it's so great to really get to know what's going on, especially if you're going somewhere that's not super uh, touristy place. Like you really want to understand what's going on in the culture and, um, you know, get a feel for the people and how they live. And so I think this is really cool. Yeah, I like it. I, I, we all know that kind of, you know, the, this generation is, uh, you know, they, they're, they're a bit more uh, sort of free spirited, a little more, uh, less concerned about, uh, you know, the security and, and saving and things like that. And, uh, you know, like to, uh, you know, sort of partake of uh, these types of things, these types of experiences. And, you know, who doesn't, right? I mean, I think you and I both would too, right? We're just, uh, you know, there's there's other other responsibilities, right? That uh, that uh, that we think about too. But um, at the end of the day, I think this is a really cool idea, interesting platform. I think it's it's always great when you can tap into um, you know local uh, talent and and uh, experience and people, right? And you know, we've seen this with various social media platforms related to travel over the years. Uh, I remember uh, we covered way way back uh, KLM. Uh, did a project called Must See Map, where um, you know that you could uh, online kind of look at places that KLM flew to, that you were thinking about going on a vacation, and then uh, they had you sign up with Facebook. And then what it did was it crawled through your Facebook and looked at friends of yours or friends of friends uh, who had been to that place, and then built you a uh, personalized sightseeing map uh, based on the recommendations, essentially, of where your friends have been. And the reason being is that. You know, we can we can go to TripAdvisor, we can go to all these things and kind of look at recommendations all we want, but we we all trust uh, or put a higher weight on you know our, our own friends or you know our friends of our friends who've been to these places. You know, it has a, like a different a different weight to it, and I think um, sort of the power of that a little bit of that I see here in that um, you know it's a little bit more personal, it's a little bit more um, you know hands-on touch than, than an abstracted review. Um, type of, uh, of guidance that you get from just you know one of the big uh, platforms so I really like it I think it's it, it's it's an interesting way to kind of link people together um, you know it ties into that sort of sharing economy um, you know and creating jobs and, and uh, you know extra income for people um, so I, I like all those aspects of it and um, you know it sounds like they've got some good funding to kind of help grow it out and, and they're growing right fast they've got like over 4,000 guides you know 30,000 different tours available so um, pretty interesting stuff there you go there you go all right moving on to our second story so Albert Albertsons which is a uh, well-known US uh, grocery chain uh, has been working with Pinterest uh, for some time now and they've um, 
been uh, using the, uh, the power of the Pinterest app and in particular focused around recipes. And so essentially they're, they're really sort of, uh, they've had some good success uh, in this partnership over the last little while, they're kind of expanding upon the visual discovery capabilities within the Pinterest app. And so essentially what, what happens is shoppers go into the grocery store and they can take a photo of an item's price tag and then be directed to Pinterest where you can find a recipe that uses that uh, item in it. They say 55% of Pinterest users now use the app while grocery shopping. That's a massive number. Um, you know, um, so they're really getting high engagement around this. Uh, I think people are looking for, you know, uh, breaking out of the routines of making the same things all the time. And, um, and I think from a sales perspective, uh, this is great for, for any grocer, especially, you know, obviously Albertsons is doing this, but they say they've got um, 72 million monthly active users in the US uh, are on Pinterest are engaged in food and beverage search inquiries on Pinterest. Um, that's 76% of all grocery shoppers in the US. Um, and Albertsons says that they've seen sales on some items increase by over 500% since they've been doing this. So it's obviously working on driving incremental revenue. Um, and in particular, what's really cool is they, they focus the items that they're showcasing on, the, on this kind of Pinterest tie back to recipe uh, on, Al, Al, on Albertsons sort of uh, like, you know, their, their name branded product. So uh, trying to drive their sort of, you know, their own branded product, um, obviously, which they have higher margin on than you know, some of the other uh, product in the store. So I like it. I think it's a great way to sort of tie in, okay, you're here, you're in the store, you're on location, uh, you know, use this app, see what else you can make with this product, what other things you need to buy while you're there and kind of put it all together. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great little uh, experience and a great use of, of Pinterest in that way. I agree. I am definitely one of those people that does use Pinterest interest um, while I am shopping in the grocery store at times when I have like a specific recipe that I want to follow or something that I'm looking at ingredients or you know just trying to eat a certain um, way or follow a lifestyle so I think that you know Pinterest has so much opportunity to grow and we've seen some recent I think pretty like big steps um, in that direction and I really anticipate that you know more of these types of partnerships are going to take place this year so um, I really like that Albertsons is leveraging that, uh, you know, leveraging Pinterest and the recipes that they have there. I also think that what's interesting is, you know, I was having a conversation with my team here. We were talking about the use of Pinterest and how it's mostly female driven, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that something that's interesting is um, one of the, the males on my team said, you know, I use Pinterest, but I always use my wife's account. And so he's like, I use it for, you know, DIY projects or when I'm trying to do something in the house or, you know, outside in the yard. Um, you know, I follow different things and I've always had like great success. I really love Pinterest. So I think Pinterest has an opportunity to, you know, uh, further diversify their, their demographic in different ways through, you know, maybe the partnerships with stores like Home Depot or Lowe's or, you know, things where, men are already sort of shopping and geared towards going or outdoor sporting goods, you know, type of things. Um, but I also think that this uh, will continue on a trend with um, influencers, right? So you've got a lot of like recipe bloggers, um, you know, people who write uh, different, um, you know, or has different suggestions in terms of like if you're eating paleo or keto or whatever it may be. And so being able to directly partner with a store um, it, it would 
give, I think, you know, an Albertsons a lot of leverage because you've got maybe an influencer that says like, here's all the Albertsons ingredients that I used, yep. right? And then here's the board on Pinterest. So levering those two platforms, um, I, I expect like more and more of this to happen. So I really like this story. And, um, you know, I get excited when like businesses that are, you know, that have a brick and mortar presence are actually being leveraged and helped by businesses that are online, like a Pinterest or, you know, a Google search or something like that. So um, I think this is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Sort of along those same lines, though, um, there's a new acquisition that's happening. I don't think it's finalized yet, but Google, um, it's been announced that Google is acquiring a company called Pointy. Um, like it's a point in a different direction or point in a direction. Um, and what pointy is, I did not know about pointy, but I learned about this and it's basically this scanner that small business owners can use, um, to scan their, uh, their SKUs that they have, right? So they have all of these different packaged goods in their stores. They can scan them and they can connect it to their online search presence. So, you know, when you want to see like what's inside of a store, if you've ever looked at this, um, you know, when you see on Google, like what's in the store, um, you can easily integrate there. So it's a great option for, you know, if you have maybe just one or two store locations and you want to drive more foot traffic when people are searching maybe for a product, they can see that it's nearby in your store. Um, so pointy is, you know, I was thinking of, of a good example would be like maybe you're a specialty coffee and tea providers so you know you scan all the different specialty coffees and teas that you have and whenever somebody searches for you know this coffee store or this specific type of coffee you know you carry it and so it's going to help your your search presence um, it, this also can connect with several point of sale systems like uh, square and clover and a few other ones um, that just integrate right in there and it's like a free thing that business owners can do um, and if you're not integrated with one of those point of sale systems, there's, you know, a small one-time fee that you pay mm -hmm. um, to get to use it. So it's a really cool thing for business owners. I don't know why I haven't heard of it before, but it seems like a great opportunity to sort of um, do that. They also have like a product ads uh, type of a, of a solution that they offer as well. So the fact that Google is acquiring, it makes complete sense. You know, Google is very focused on all these different local search, um, you know, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it, they are solutions, but also features that they've been integrating that we've been talking about probably over the, the last six months or so, you know, when it comes to the map and everything else. And so this seems like a very, um, you know, natural progression of that and just acquiring Pointy, which probably already has, I don't know how many businesses they have on the platform so far, but I would assume that they've, um, you know, been doing, they've been doing this for a while. So I think this is a, a really great acquisition and if you're a small business owner, check check out Pointy for sure. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a great little uh, you know tool, and and it's certainly you know from an optimization perspective in, in helping businesses be found online and knowing where, what products they carry. Uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of like uh, you know it's so simple, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing about it, right? Like, it's and it, you know, simplicity is often the best, uh, you know, the best approach with, and especially when it comes to like a little device that you can plug in to POS, they've already built the integration to so many platforms. The, the fee, if, if it's not tied into one of yours, is, is pretty low cost. Um, you know, I, I came across these guys, I guess, I want to say like three, four years ago, we'd done an LVMA event in, uh, in Ireland where they're based. And, um, and I remember meeting uh, a couple of guys from from the team at that time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, there are thousands of stores now. Um, you 
know, um, in both North America and Europe that are using this. And I think it's, it's so simple and straightforward that, uh, you know, uh, as you say, every small business should be doing this because it's, it, it's, it's all about just, you know, the simplicity of plugging it in and just being found right online in search in, in local listings, uh, and people knowing what you carry and being able to find it quickly and easily and, and you know, based on your location. So, uh, it's brilliant. Uh, I think for, from a Google perspective, it, it's a, uh, it's a no brainer. Um, I'm hoping these guys got a great, uh, valuation and an exit because, uh, you know, and don't get swallowed up in the behemoth of Google, but, um, from their perspective, it, it makes a ton of sense, right? It's, it's a logical add into all the data that Google already has. And let's not be fooled. This, this, this is, is about data, um, as everything is in our world right now. Um, and, um, you know, this just gives Google a lot more data about, you know, what's out there in the small, uh, small business world. So, uh, a great acquisition and a good, uh, a great tool. So check it out. Pointy. All right, so that's our uh, our three industry news stories for this week. Um, before we jump into the member news now, I want to just shift gears a little bit. Um, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, I was at NRF last week, uh, which is the National Retail Federation's big show, for those of you who don't know what NRF is. Uh, it's the, the biggest annual retail conference uh, in the world, uh, you know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people all gather in New York, all the big brands, a whole bunch of retail vendors, uh, a great show. Um, and while I was there um, with my colleague, Karsten, uh, had a chance to stop by uh, the booth of Worldline. Worldline is, is one of our LBMA members out of our uh, European operation, out of the, uh, the German operation. And uh, I had a chat with a gentleman uh, named Vincent Roland, Vincent is the uh, EVP of Merchant Services for Worldline uh, globally, and uh, had a great chat about you know some of the, the product offerings they're bringing to market around uh, payment uh, processing and acceptance and all that sort of stuff. But in particular, they've just put out a new research report, and um, you know we were talking about some of the uh, some of the findings of that. And by the way, that's that's a report that. Uh, uh, as of today, will be uh, available on the LPMA website as well uh, for download. So, um, yeah. Um, so, without any further ado, here is Vincent, um, and I'll let you hear what he had to say. All right. Uh, exciting times here at NRF. We are here with our member company, Worldline, and I'm chatting with Vincent, who's the EVP of Merchant Services for Worldline. Uh, great to see you. Um, and um, yeah, just. Um, How's the experience of the show been so far? A uh, very good show, very interesting, a lot of people, uh, more than a year ago, I think, and uh, which proves that the, the show is attracting more and more uh, retailers and uh, people interested by the, the evolutions of these markets, uh, impressive evolutions. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I think, uh, the, you know, what I've heard as well is higher traffic this year than last and, and uh, certainly more brands and retailers, um, you know, wandering around the show and so on. One of the things I'm really interested in is you guys just released a new research report, um, this one right here, yep. the, the future of payments. And um, you know, what are some of the, the key findings, the highlights uh, from that that you know, we can see? Well, from a business point of view, what we see, of course, is an increasing 
demand for electronic transactions. You know, a lot of markets have still a lot of cash and want to move out of cash. So, of course, it means a lot of innovations coming to the table to extract some of these cash transactions and move them to electronics. And what, what we see is that most of the retailers are struggling with three things. One is the, the cost of the yeah. infrastructure. And of course, when you grow and you have more retail uh, stores in more countries, the complexity is increasing. So you want to reduce this complexity. Uh, and so to bundle volumes, to bundle transactions. Sure. The second is the evolution to omni-channel. Right. That's been a buzzword for years, but yeah. now it's really a fact that you see people buying on the web and uh, getting in things and picking in store, returning in store. And our customers have been used to have the two channels kind of not linked to each other. Right. So suddenly they come with the questions, how can you link all these things together and make our life and the life of the customer easy? The third one is the mobile evolution. I've never seen so many retailers, banks coming to say, we have a mobile app and we would like to use this mobile app in an easy way, tap your phone instead of tap your card. But tap your phone to do what? Of course, to be uh, yeah. smart. Yeah, your card is becoming a smartphone, so it means it can do smart things. And uh, the smart things of retailer one are not the smart things of retailer two. So you start to see a demand for customization. Help yeah. me having something, a story for my consumers that is better than what my competitors are doing. And, and the last thing is, of course, that you know, this evolution uh, to more added value means creating digital applications yeah. on top of the payment applications. And, and you will see it on the new terminals that we just launched. What do we do before the payment? What do we do after the payment right. to get more value out of this consumer? So how do we make sure we identify this consumer early in the process? Mm -hmm. Welcome back. Yes. You, 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 you cannot guess how many retailers know exactly how many times you came to the store yeah, in yeah. a year time, how much yeah. you spent. They, they have no clue. So how do I identify this person, can welcome him, and when the transaction is finished, how do I make him coming back? Yeah. What kind of message? Is it an advertising? Is it a promotion? Is it a, a gift because, you know, next time you, you have spent at least 1,000 euros or dollars, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we will offer yeah. you something? And, and all these things together are creating a, a, a demand for specific applications, specific use cases, uh, complex interconnections between a mobile, a terminal, a back yeah. office systems, and uh, we love that. Yeah, and, and, and I think the, the, the last part uh, about uh, for me that I'm like always interested in is the data integration pieces around that, right? Because yes, you have applications, yes, you have payment terminals, you know, you have loyalty programs, CRM systems, all these things. But historically, a lot of these things don't talk well with each other. Um, and I think one of the challenges in the industry is how do we bring those systems together, communicating with one another, sharing data, you know, because, you know, not everybody's going to buy from a retailer perspective, you know, all the solutions from a single vendor. It never works like that, right? No, no, no. Um, and so finding ways to kind of link these platforms together as you're building these new applications and supporting mobile payments and all these other things, as you said, you need to know who is this customer, how often they're here, how much they spend on average, you know, how valuable are they to me? And this requires a lot of data integration. And so interested to know, like, kind of how you guys think about kind of the, the integration and sharing of data. It's a very interesting question. And uh, on top of that, we are just in front of what we call the One Commerce Hub. Yeah. Um, the goal of the One Commerce Hub 
is basically to have a central place where we can receive data from all the systems that are doing those transactions uh, and store the data so that the retailer can do three things. One, make sure that all transactions are located in one place so that when you do analytics you have at least a, a base. Yeah. And from all places means if you are operating in 15 countries you will see the data of all the terminals and all e-com sites of the 15 countries in one place. The second, it's a place where you can interconnect to multiple parties. Uh, Warline is a very open company in the sense that we, we, we offer services, but if a customer says, I do prefer to work with this terminal, with this acquirer, we offer the opportunity. And on the one commercial, we have 50 acquirers connected, including ourselves. But if the customer says, in that country, I want to use this party, we'll send the transactions to these guys. And the last is the reconciliation financial reconciliations, you centralize it. Mm. And why do you need to centralize? Because most of the retailers today, they have multiple sources of, of funds coming in. Yeah. Because, well, in the past, you had Visa, MasterCard, Amex, now you have Alipay, WeChat Pay, yeah, Blablabay, yeah, yeah, Google Pay. That, yeah. and, and, of course, where is my money? Yeah. I have so many transactions on so many places. How do I reconcile, make sure that my money is getting in? Yeah. And that if I have to refund, that I can do it also quite easily from a central place. And, and this one commerce hub is for us the kind of federation, APIs. Yeah. So as a like retailer, a you have an API kind of. to connect. As an acquirer, you have an API to connect. Yeah. And as a PSV, the same. And uh, much more open but organized way to get the data in a central place and enable the analytics. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want, is make sure that you analyze if your flow of money is correct, you analyze if you, your sales are doing well. Yeah. And you would be surprised to see that we see now customers using those data to basically analyze the performance of the sales they do. Yeah. And not just, you know, is it, uh, is it a good day, did we sell a lot, but, yeah. you know, is this product still working well? And I, I, I had a recent example of a customer saying, I stopped selling a promotion yeah. Because I saw through the transactions, not through my back office, through my transactions, that you know this, the, the promotion was having less effect than before, yeah. and, and 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 that's that's a challenge. I think it's payment is a, is a core commodity, but now how can we add value? And you know, of course, yeah. Apple Pay and Google Pay have been adding value to the payment, but it's not the only thing which is adding value. So how do I get around that more data that I can use to be more performant? Very good. Well, thank you. It sounds super exciting. I love yeah, the, absolutely. You know, the Commerce Hub is is, is amazing uh, in terms of all the connections and uh, APIs exactly. and links that you have in there. So excited to see how we can further support you in North America and globally. And uh, uh, really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Great, Vincent, thank you so much for coming on our show and uh, sharing with us and uh, taking time out of the, uh, the busy NRF schedule. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to working with you, uh, you know, more uh, this year across all the LVMA network uh, in North America and in Europe. So uh, thanks again. All right, on to our, uh, our member news now. Um, and uh, as usual, I'll kick off this section with a story about our good friends at Gimbal. Um, so they announced just over a week ago now uh, a new initiative that they're calling Location Choices. And you can just go to locationchoices.org uh, to learn more about it. But, you know, we've, as we've talked about on this show over the last little while in particular, there is a heightened sense of awareness around location data and privacy in particular. Um, 
you know, every vendor in the space is trying to figure out, you know, how to handle that, uh, you know, better, differently, um, uh, with more transparency and so on. So Gimbal has uh, launched this thing called Location Choices. Uh, it's a app-based platform that enables consumers to opt out of sharing their location data with third parties. Um, and uh, a very interesting initiative. Uh, they're really focusing Gimbal uh, this year on sort of trying to inform and educate consumers uh, more about their data and uh, their rights and so on. Um, so I, certainly we applaud that as an industry. Um, uh, so the app, the Location Choices app, is available in iOS or Android mobile devices. Um, and uh, obviously we encourage you to download that and take a look. Um, and it's, it really is just about control, right? It's about education, but it's about control. It's about giving people uh, that ability to kind of just think more about it. And we're not telling people to opt out by any means. I think there's a lot of value uh, in location data. We've talked about this on the show uh, many, many times. And I think people do realize that, uh, that there, it's an exchange and that their value is, is val their data is valuable. But, you know, without sharing it, there's lots of things that they don't get either. Right. And so it's, it's truly an exchange. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is, this is, a you know, a, a noteworthy uh, addition to the uh, array of uh, initiatives that are out in the marketplace today, just around education and awareness. And, and certainly, you know, I think Gimbal is doing great work in this space. Um, and, uh, you know, the reality is, especially in North America, there's a lot more legislation yet to come um, than CCPA, which is out there now. I know New York is, is, is trying to figure out what they're going to be doing around, um, you know, the selling of location data. Um, so I think, you know, alongside all of that, um, you know, I think we need to be looking to, to platforms like this. We need to be doing a better job of educating and the vendors need to just overall just be way more transparent and a way more uh, sort of authentic about, you know, uh, what data they're collecting, how they're storing it, you know, how they're monetizing it, et cetera. Um, and, and those that do it well will, will survive. So um, that's all I have to say. Yeah, I really love this. I mean, I've always, um, you know, had an appreciation for Gimbal and um, how they operate as a business. Um, and I, you know, something that we, we've we had internal conversations about, um, you know, recently in our 2020 strategy, you know, here is, is how are we going to, um, you know, give consumers choices like this, right? Even if you don't collect the data, right? Even if we don't participate in any PII data, which we don't. So, you know, how do we still empower consumers to make sure that they have the ultimate control and yeah. can still opt out whether we own the data, captured the data or not? Um, so I think that this is the right approach from a company perspective. And I think that, um, you know, it also goes to show that, you know, there's more than just a data capture aspect of it. It's what you do with the data and how, um, you know, how it's leveraged. And, and so I think that this is definitely a strong choice by Gimbal and we'll probably see some other uh, providers follow suit, at least those who are confident with, you know, kind of their place in the market and their value proposition. So, yeah, completely. And I think, I think we will see a combination of government regulation and, you know, industry self-regulation like this. Right. And I think it's trying to find that balance between the two, um, you know, will take time. Um, but uh, certainly this is a, a, a good a good step in the right direction from you. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, well, our final story is um, coming from a company headquartered here in Atlanta. Delta Airlines is sort of um, trying to reduce travel stress and uh, provide more of a one-stop shop for travel concierge, if you will, um, to Delta Flyers. And I, I really like this story, actually. Sometimes I see things from Delta and I'm like, eh, you know, not that exciting, um, <laughs> as we've talked about in the past. But I think this is something that's actually beneficial. And, and I actually think that I would use it, you know, um, since I fly Delta quite often. But they're revamping their mobile app. So this mobile concierge idea um, so basically they have integrated with Lyft, for example, so that you can use Sky Miles to pay for your Lyft, um, which is great. So you can order the ride, pay for the ride um, with miles. Um, it's also designed, you know, to like do this one-stop shop. So you can look at the weather, where you're going, uh, TSA uh, checkpoint wait times in some specific um, areas. I hope Atlanta is one of them because this is something that I'm looking at all the time here in Atlanta, you know, it could be like, sometimes I'm through in like five minutes and other times, even if you have pre-check or anything else, like you just have to wait for a really long time here. Um, so, you know, just, there's not really a lot of rhyme or reason all the time, but I love that this is something that they're thinking about just integrating right into the app. Um, so, you know, they, they reference that 89% of people feel stressful about travel. I think that that's like pretty, you know, self-explanatory. Um, so they also have something that they're going to include called virtual queuing so that um, you can know not only when your flight is boarding, but also when your particular zone or seat is boarding. So that's beneficial, you know, because if you are like zone two, then maybe you have an extra, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to, you know, get that bottle of water, run to the restroom before you have to board. Whereas if you're, you know, first class or something, you may want to hurry up and get to your gate. Um, so there's other airlines that have been, you know, testing out these different types of features. We've seen things with like American Airlines, um, uh, Iberia, which is, you know, a Spanish airlines that are testing out things like uh, passport scanning, facial recognition app that could eliminate, you know, the need for travel documents, um, things of that nature. So I really like this. Anything that can you know, help you with the ease of travel, you know, getting through an airport quickly, um, getting on your flight as fast as possible, and, you know, not having to also be there, like, hours ahead of time on accident, I think is great. Um, so I really, I, I love this, you know, when you're talking about anything that increases the experience that you're having as a Delta passenger, um, because of the features and functionality that they give you. I think that this is really what it's about. And these are the things that, you know, you can control. So you can't always control weather delays or, you know, you can't always control mechanical issues with your flights, but you can control, um, you know, the usability, feasibility, and, and the ease of use to which people can get on and off their flights. So um, I think this is a great, great announcement here. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, just making people's lives easier uh, and using data uh, to power all of that behind the scenes, I think is brilliant. Um, for me, probably the best part of this whole thing is, is the, uh, the ability to use your miles, uh, you know, to pay for lift rides or, or for anything for that matter. I, I, think, I think one of the challenges for these airlines, and obviously I live in Toronto, so you're Canada, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, super elite Air Canada flyer, uh, you know, and have lots of miles that I rack up on a yearly basis. And, um, you know, the, you know, like any loyalty program, these miles are really a, a liability sitting on the balance sheet of, uh, you know, of the company. And so, you know, 
finding ways to reduce that balance and get people to spend those miles and use them up, uh, you know, is a high priority. And so I think, you know, they really should be looking at ways to just drive that down through the app as much as possible. And obviously this is, this is one way to do that. Uh, I know United, uh, a few years ago, we were doing some work with uh, them uh, using beacons in uh, O'Hare um, and helping people sort of navigate their experience around and using miles to, um, to calculate you know, wait times before your flight and, and uh, what restaurants were around and using miles to pay for, for restaurants, um, you know, at the airport and things like that, I think um, is a good experience as well. But yeah, I like this. I like that they've got the wait times for TSA. I like all of the ways that they're kind of pulling data together to help just make the experience uh, better and reduce stress, as they say, uh, which is the goal here. So uh, I got nothing bad to say about this. I think this is a really great uh, you know, sort of uh, way to upgrade the app and, and sort of enhance the, uh, you know, the feature set for, for their users, for their customers. And, uh, you know, you're there. You can tell us about it soon, I'm sure, um, you know, uh, uh, in Atlanta. So, um, yeah, so that's it. That's to that, criticize this show, huh? <laughs> I know, I know. Usually we got something bad to say about somebody, but I guess not today. Um, Anyhow, so <laughs> so that's our show. We'll, we'll just have to come up with like a whole show next week of, of stuff that we, we don't We're like. pessimistic, yes. <laughs> very, very pessimistic. We'll balance it out. Okay. But uh, yeah, so that's our show for this week. Uh, you've been listening to episode number 448 of Location Weekly. As always, uh, we just thank you for listening and watching. If you have story ideas, please reach out to us. Um, if you've got uh, feedback, we want to hear about it. it. We would love you to give us uh, some sort of, you know, thumbs up, stars, rating, reviews, whatever, uh, on whichever platform you're consuming this. Uh, widely available uh, on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all, and Podbean and all those things out there. So um, we just uh, we appreciate all of that. So thank you again for listening and watching. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you all next week for 449. Bye. Bye.